This is Shudders Inc. with Bruce Williams and Glenn Lavender. Hi and welcome to episode 513 of Shudders Inc. This is Bruce Williams from ShuddersIncPodcast.com and joining me via Skype once again from Lockdown Central, it is Mr. Glenn Lavender. How are you? Help, I'm locked in again. Lockdown number five, thanks to stupid New South Wales people. (laughs) Yep. You guys just couldn't keep it in your pocket, could you? That's right. You just couldn't use protection, and now we're all pregnant. Yeah. It's just... I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. As soon as you guys got COVID, because you how, how light you've had it over the last 14 months, yeah. that no one would respect that. And then you get these bunch of removalists, come down here, don't wear masks, yep. go around infecting people. But here's, here's the interesting thing I learned about. These removalists who came down to Victoria, three of them, right. who refused to wear masks and then refused to tell people exactly where they went, they were, they were putting furniture into a building, okay? Okay. The owner, the guy who's, who was receiving all the furniture, the guy who ordered them, wore a mask the entire time they were delivering. Like, it took like three or four hours, apparently, of delivery time. They didn't wear a mask once the entire time. Right. He wore a mask. Right. The rest of his family didn't wear a mask. Uh-huh. All his family have COVID. He oh. doesn't. Yeah, right. He did one thing different. Yeah. And for all those people who say, well, masks don't do it, what they do? Yeah, but as long as you don't go there rubbing stuff and rubbing ruthless faces, and then you know, <laughs> put it into your mouth and stuff, or rub it into your eyes. But yeah, a little bit of protection yeah. seems to go a long way. So it's like a condom, you know. It doesn't always work, but most of the times it's going to, and you're kind of glad when it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, yeah, an ounce of prevention is that the old saying, you know. Uh, so like yeah, that. so we're we're about to go into a five day lockdown. It's my daughter's birthday tomorrow, so she doesn't get to uh, spend the birthday with her friends for the second year in a row. We had a um, a big day plan. Oh, then we had a big dinner planned for her tomorrow night with family. That's all cancelled. Mm-hmm. Then we had a big Sunday planned uh, going up to. Uh, um, this old village called Sovereign Hill, which is like, you know, one of those oh, recreation yep. villages using old buildings. It's an old mining yep. town because uh, they've got the winter festival on where they have like snow and coloured lights, and it's, it's a really cool festival. Yep. So we were heading up there for the day. It's like, it was going to be the last day of the festival. We got in just in time, <laughs> all cancelled. Oh. So I knew this was going to happen. This, this got announced about five o'clock tonight, yeah. something like that. And uh, so this morning I got up and I was feeling pretty. Yeah, knowing it was coming, knowing that there's no way we wouldn't get announced today. So I went out for a walk today and I went out in the countryside a little bit and right. went for a nice stroll and went down to some good natural rock formations and, you know, some basalt columns and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, took my trusty phone to take some photos. Cool. You know? Yeah. Now, here's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Right? I watched this magnet fishing show on YouTube. Right. So, where this guy who is an Australian guy, but he seems to be based in Holland, in the Netherlands, uh, and he goes magnet fishing in the canals in Holland and dragging up all sorts of stuff. You know, fish, uses really heavy magnets. Fish aren't made of metal. Yeah, different kind of fishing. Oh, right. <laughs> so, and and, so, and, he, and he drags up all sorts of stuff from the canals. Sort of, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting stuff. You find a lot of bikes. Oh, you know? okay. Right, but anyway, <laughs> not that kind of fish. He's, he's pulling like yeah, he pulls out like he pulled up an Uzi machine gun the other day. Wow. Okay. An Uzi from the bottom of a canal, 
uh, yeah, motorbikes and Vespas and uh, push bikes and <laughs> shopping trolleys and also, but he also gets some little, yeah, pretty rare little trinkets because I mean those canals have been used for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, and they pull up all sorts. Of, yeah, he's pulled up things like a, a five hundred year old dagger. And that, anyway, so I'm in the country, down the bottom of this valley, yeah. by myself on this beautiful you know, winter sun, summery, sunny winter's morning. Yeah, and the guy walks past. Right, the guy from Holland. Oh, he walks past. <laughs> in the, it's like, I mean, hey, not many people are going to recognise who he is because yeah. it's a pretty obscure thing. <laughs> And there we are in the middle of bloody nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, away from even where you park your cars, which is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and he walks on past and says hello. It's like, what's the chances? Wow. So you know, I had a brush with a minor celebrity today, you know, <laughs> extremely minor, you know? And by minor, more like M I N E R, minor, you know? Uh, so um, yeah, that was, that was kind of bizarre. Wow. Um, so, so, so I, I, I went out to this thing. It's called the Organ Pipes. And so right. Kind of a, a cool place, and I figured I'd just yeah get out there and uh, watch the birdies flitter around and just take in the. So it was a beautiful still day. Sun was out. Yeah, nice. Good, good eleven degrees. So it was quite warm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's what we call WFM, warm for Melbourne. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so it was a, a lovely morning. That was, that was really good. So, so that's, that's the only photos I've taken for the week, though. Is a couple of shots of the iPhone. Yeah, right. Which is rather sad, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. I had a workshop sort of lined up for this Saturday. Yeah, that's cancelled. That's cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you finally say, oh, I'll get one. Oh, again. <laughs> you know? uh, oh, and I've got one other bit of photo news, yeah. uh, personally related. Canon got in touch with me the other day. Right. And want to feature me on their social media platforms on uh, on a thing called Nosily. Um, <laughs> no, no one sees it like uh, like you. Oh, okay. Like you do, yeah, Nosily, which I thought was kind of funny because they're a bit nosy and to ask about stuff. <laughs> so yeah, they're going to feature me uh, on on their um, on their platforms, which nice. is rather nice of them. Awesome. They want ten images to to do or choose from and stuff. So yeah, that's what kind of good. That was a little little nice thing in the middle of the week. Yeah, to think about. Cool. So uh, that's kind of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's my week. Now, as your week being on, have you been? Have you been? Yeah, you know, more and 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 depressed about the job, or you've been like, taking the, uh, the the can-do attitude? No, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm just going. Yeah, I can't wait to be out of there. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's what your brain would do. Yeah, I, I would, that's what I'd feel like. Like yeah. I'm still going to be working for them. I'm just going to be working from home, which I am. You know, really looking forward to. Being able. Well, it's good you can do that. Yeah, I was asking for this, you know, from the minute I got there, and they would—they basically said, "No, you can't work from home." And <laughs> now suddenly it's like, "Oh, we can't afford to pay you, so we'll pay you half what we were paying you before." And yeah, you can work from home. It's like, <laughs> okay, fine. Well, it's going to save you some money, I'd imagine, wouldn't it? Well, it'll save me a little bit of money on the commute. I mean, the motorbike is a pretty efficient yeah. Yeah, means of transport. Do you buy coffee when you're in town? No. At work? Do you buy lunch? No. Jeez, you're ass cheapskate, aren't you? Yeah. Um, well, you see... You should have been buying lunch and coffee for the last two years, and that way you can say, look, I'm saving <laughs> 80 bucks a week. Well, the thing is, if we're in a session, the studio will pay for lunch for us, uh, which is pretty rare. You don't get that very often. But I actually don't eat lunch every day. Really? Yeah, I 
I've been trying to cut down on a little bit of weight. Like, not that I'm massively overweight, but I just wanted to, you know, lose a few kilos. So I just take a muesli bar and a couple of pieces of fruit with me, and that's pretty much it. Although over the last week... So a bar of sugar and some fructose. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, But uh, over the last week, I've been taking some soup because I made some... Homemade pea and ham soup. Nice. Uh, I love a good pea and ham. Oh, it's great. Love a good pea and ham. Slow cooked, recipe. Done in the slow cooker. It is just oh, yeah. magnificent. I um, did slow cooker chicken cacciatore tonight. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, it was awesome. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, so good. Pretty much anything done in the slow cooker comes out great. So. Rocks don't. <laughs> I can't say I've tried. <laughs> you know, I heard you can do baked potatoes in them. I was, I was reading the other day. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so like you do like your chicken cacciatore. Yeah. And then you then you wrap in foil potatoes and put them on top. Oh, okay. The, the, yep. the, and so they put it all cooked together. Yep. And then you've got to break out the, the baked potatoes and drizzle the cacciatore over the top. Yeah, nice. That's not a bad idea. I just don't think my crock pot would hold it. My, my slow cook would hold enough. See, one, yeah. of, one of my favourite winter things, and we actually haven't done it this year, as, as you, the audience and yourself would know, Kath and I have a brazier out on the deck, uh, and we'll you know sit out there on the weekends with a you know roaring log fire going. And once once you've let that die down and you've got a nice bed of red hot coals, I love doing exactly what you just said. Take your spuds, wrap them in foil, and then put yeah. them in the hot coals and just you know give them half hour, forty minutes on the coals, and. Uh, you know, when you unwrap them, the you know the outside's gone, you know, a little bit crispy and black, and the spuds are soft, and oh, it's just oh. the best. Oh. Welcome to Cookers Inc. Yes, that's it. And and then I'll, what I'll usually do because it's right, the brazier is right beside my barbecue, so I'll you know chop up some bacon and some shallots and some mushrooms and capsicum, and and I just you know barbecue all of that yeah. together. Oh, yeah. And then you you know smash open your spud and throw that on top and then some cheese on top yeah. of that. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just yeah. change the topic of this uh, podcast to uh, cooking. Cooker zinc. <laughs> That's all we are. Welcome to Cooker Zinc, everybody. Please send your favourite recipes in. <laughs> Cook your favourite recipe. Take a bloody photo of it. Yes. Send the recipe. We'll critique the photo. <laughs> And cook the meal. There you go. There you go. We'll start a whole new genre of photography podcast. There we are. Shoot and eat. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. So my week has just been, you know. So, so on. Let, let me get. So if you're going to be doing this from home, yep. Does that mean the artist has got to come to you? No. So what's going to happen is, up until now, what has happened was. Brad has his studio upstairs, I had my studio downstairs, and we would both be recording a separate audio book at the same time. He'd be recording a book, I'd be recording a book, and we would generally record for three to four hours a day with a narrator, and then spend the other four or five hours of the day editing what we had recorded. What's going to happen now is Brad is going to be recording two books simultaneously you'll work with one narrator in the morning on one book and then a different narrator in the afternoon on another book and then he's going to send all of the files to me and i'm going to be doing all the editing Hmm. so i dare say it's going to get boring really quickly 
because we're not going to have the variety of, you know, doing a little bit of recording as well as a little bit of editing. It's going to be he's just doing all the recording and not getting to do any of the editing and I'm doing all the editing and not getting to do any of the recording. So we'll see how it goes. So we'll wait and see. But anyway, I've got I've got feelers out in the market and yeah, yeah, to do what you got to do. That's it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course Max is meant to be heading off to the army as of Monday. We're expecting to hear from the army tomorrow, which will be Friday. uh, Yeah, to see whether or not they will still take kids from Sydney and Central Coast, uh, all of whom are technically in lockdown, but then again, this is employment-related, so they might be exempt, and the Army might take them and put them in two-week quarantine before they start their basic training, or they might just say, we're not taking you right now, we'll you know reschedule for a month from now or two months from now or whatever, so uh, we'll probably find that out tomorrow. But, um, yeah, there is still the possibility that Max will be heading off to the army as of Monday. <laughs> so, Man. That's, uh, that's, that's a whole different world there, though. It's course, starting yeah. to hit us. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's starting to hit us. Um, so, yeah, we'll let you know on that front next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy times. And there will be empty nesters. Yeah, that's it. That's us. Man. If it's sell the house, move into a... Like a, a, a camper van thing, yep. like an RV, yep. with a recording studio, yep. and drive around recording recording stories of the old times, <laughs> turn them into audio books, while still doing your job on the on, for me. You can dial that in, too. Yeah, exactly. Interviewing the Codger c- c- Central or something, you know, just, just find all the old characters and I'll tell the stories of Australia yeah. in audio books and sell them, make money. Yeah. So yeah. wait and see what happens. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway. So anyway, if anyone out there knows some good codgers Bruce can re- record, <laughs> yeah, start sending us a list. We'll get to them after we've finished cooking. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what do you got on your list this week? There was, there was this thing about 5D photos I saw. 5D. But I didn't understand it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was something about this, they've invented a camera that can record in 5D. That sounds like marketing guff. <laughs> so using us, did you even send me a link for this? Because I can't see. No, because it was so confusing. I just even just copying the link after I looked at the thing and tried to read. It was just too much like hard work. Um, but so it, it can record like length, width, height, time. Of course, it was. was oh, that's called video. video. <laughs> no, and it also could record. Color wavelengths at the same time as well. Well, that's just color versus monochrome. <laughs> no, no, the, it records all the different <laughs> spectrums of color at the same time. And so I don't know. It's, it was too confusing, but it sounded moderately like it was interesting. Right. But then I didn't understand it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of the stuff you did understand, what have you got? <laughs> Let's see. Eleven tips for great nature photos that stand out for the crowd. Oh, okay. So this is this is back to my photography's dead. Long live photography. <laughs> right. And you know how much I love 11, 11 tips because there's like 10 plus a bonus tip. Exactly. Um, now, the only reason I've included it hmm. is because this guy's photos are awesome. Yeah. So, so that, that was that was kind of worthwhile in and of itself to include that because... Um, they are great images. Aren't they just? Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. And then, yeah, so that was that was really good. So if you're looking at ace and great photos, I mean, and, and the common denominator is uh, in the photos is great light. Yep. Great understanding of lens use and great understanding of depth. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so it's, it's stuff's great, you know. And yeah. obviously, a, yeah, a degree of good post, but not uh, heavy-handed. No. I don't think he's overly, overly gone crazy with the post, so that, that's all pretty good. Yep. Um Oh, then again, in the in the you know, photography is dead. I love it when a genre meets. Right. So this 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 is a, a, a couple. Two genres got, walk into a bar. Exactly. Yeah. And um, that this this is this is um, a couple who've got a yellow jacket each. Right. But they're also urban explorers, urbex people. Right. So they combine themselves, not just standing out in the field pointing a, a torch of the Milky Way in a colourful jacket. Right. They're inside an abandoned building in a yellow jacket. Excellent. See, that's 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 taken those that's taken the, the, the Milky Way point the torch down the colour and or the or the waterfall. Let's not forget the waterfall with the with the colour and blended it with the urban explorer. Right. Now I'd, I'd like to be derisive, but their work is really good. It is. <laughs> so yeah. it's. A, I mean, even just to look at the damn locations they're in is is inc- is incredible. You know, yeah. Uh, just 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 simply quite there. Now um, we used to have a listener. I don't know if she still listens, and I can't remember her surname. I know she got married and changed a surname. Her first name was Heather. Someone who's been listening for years might remember Adam Davidson, Richard Annable. You guys might remember Heather, someone. She was from America. And her and her partner, they had a photography business, and they had this thing about they had carried a red couch around in their truck. <laughs> and they would just put I was trying to friend carry a piano. Oh, really? Same thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they just carried all full down the red couch the anywhere, you know, in the middle of a dusty track or <laughs> Yeah, be photographs of people sitting on this red couch in the middle of a dusty track somewhere through a forest or out in a wheat field or yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it kind of reminds me of like that you know that consistent element to every image it's a similar yeah. similar thing yeah but yeah yeah no I I love their their yellow jacket series it's great yeah I mean I'm not a big <laughs> not a big fan of the jacket <laughs> no. I mean, but it's because distinctive. Because how cliche. Because it's not. It's, but they're they're conceptually they're interesting. They're yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. If it was just them sitting there, I think it would just be still as good. Right. I don't. I don't think the construct of the yellow jacket is. Be only because it's so damn cliche now. Yeah. That I don't think it it necessarily adds enough to, uh, yeah, to to what they're doing to make it worthwhile. But their their yeah, locations and their compositions and their massive post processing work and 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 themselves in the shots, I think could have, could have been enough. Do you know? Do you know the one that I the, shots where not, the one I really like? No, it's really like? the one where they're in the shower. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> I reckon that's yeah. great because oh, when you see ass. that. Like, on its own, it doesn't do a whole lot. No. But when you see it in the context of the entire series, it has somewhat of a comedic element because suddenly they're not in their jackets. Yeah, exactly. That's good. So that was, that was the one I thought their, their conceptual um, the idea of them, the jackets and the location yeah. all came together the best. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, really good stuff. 
Yeah, so that that was that was good. But once again, them locations are to die for. Oh yeah, yeah. Just you know, all love to go and shoot. What's about photographers and rusty, crusty crap? Oh, know? absolutely. There's a guy here in New South Wales who has a Facebook page, and he's probably got an Instagram. He's probably got every bloody thing, uh, and he calls himself the Lost Collective. And that's pretty much all he does is he goes looking for places like this all around Australia. And, yeah, he just shoots some great stuff. He doesn't have people in them. They are simply, yeah. you know, urban, you know, <laughs> shots and that's it. Um, but, yeah. He, There's a Facebook group called Old and Abandoned Australia, and it's not photographers. It's just people that people who love you know, a lot of four-wheel drivers and right. people just go out in the countryside yeah. and they just photograph any old piece of crap they find yeah right yeah and you see and you see some pretty amazing stuff there and uh, they give some clues to locations and things like that as well so yeah. old and abandoned australia it's not a bad group to be a, cool. a member of oh i have yeah. to check that out yeah and i think it's and i kind of like it because it's not photographers yeah right you know, it's not it's not the one upmanship in the photo. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just it's just a, a basic stand there with your phone and take a photo. Right. The much the, the far better like reference photos because the problem is you see all the photos taken by photographers of a location. Your mind is already tainted in some way as to what is is there, and you're likely to fall into similar stuff. Yeah. If you're not careful. Yeah. Where if you just see a, a reference photo snapped by someone who's not a photographer, you don't really have any preconceived ideas from other people's work, just what you see when you get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of think it works kind of, kind of well, which is where probably Instagram fails so many people. They see all these iconic photos people have taken, and your brain is already wired into that shot before you even go there. Yeah. And in fact, you yep. go there often for that shot. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. that's that, that's the the the, you know, the spiral down away from doing something that's yeah you know, a little more meaningful for yourself. You know? Yeah, yeah. Since two thousand five, Shutters Inc has been a labour of love. But beyond the time required to produce it, there is also a financial commitment. If you find value in the podcast and would like to help keep the servers running, hit up the Patreon link, which is in the show notes. Even a couple of dollars a month will help. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. So, pivot, the word, word of the century, so word of the decade so far, <laughs> uh, Fujifilm, that was what it's Fujifilm pivoting to oh. healthcare. Healthcare? But, claim, but, claims, but, yeah, but claims it won't abandon photography. So, uh, photography now is only 13% of Fuji's business. Wow. Which is, yeah, and that includes all their film and all their chemicals and all their... And of course, all the camera gear is all the imaging stuff. It's only thirteen percent of their business, and that's not really going to grow very much. You would imagine over the next five years, you're not going to see much exponential growth in people using Fuji stuff. No. And even if there's growth, it's not going to be. They're not going to double, triple, quadruple their business because that's just you know, we're, we're, it's, it's a uh, it's a mature market now, not a, not an establishing market. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not, it's not their massive growth spurts anymore. Whereas, you know, they're looking at, in the medical side of things, um, they're, A, they're investing billions of dollars, yeah. but they're, they're expecting to see massive, massive growths yeah, over the next, yeah, what was it, they said... Um, so it's a three-year, $11 billion investment plan in healthcare to cement the production of pharmaceuticals. Yeah, yeah. And, so and they're going to do it all out of one factory. And cut 400 jobs in the process. Yes, yeah, so they're closing down four factories in America. 
they're going to have enormous sums of money coming in from. So it's all about vaccines and all about this new way of developing medicine. Yeah, yeah, and the machinery required to do it. They'll be selling time. Yeah, you know, yeah, like big telescopes, you can rent time on them. Yep. Yeah, so yep. universities rent time, or or, or people, scientists rent time to study a certain problem. Uh, well, these this the, the labs are going to be set up. It looks like so a company can rent time to go and produce, let's say, a Pfizer vaccine or whatever it may right, be. Right. Okay. Know. Yep. Uh, so of course, yeah, they'll be making significant monies there. So it's going to be very interesting. They did say, I thought this was interesting, that despite the company's majority pivot away from the camera industry. They would not seek to divest away from it or sell it off. So they're not going to sell off their films, their photo stuff. Yeah, they say that today. They say, because, because the company has decades of experience in photochemicals and in layering technology, no mention of cameras, and it is still profitable, film will remain a major player in the brand's assets. No major of additional, no mention of additional investment in imaging was mentioned. Yeah, so that was kind of, that was kind of um, yeah. interesting to hear. Uh, and, the, and the pivoting into semiconductors as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's... And as you can see, the world's shortage in, in semiconductors right yeah. now, and the yeah. problems that that's causing, yeah. there's obviously a, yeah, a fairly viable business model to be made there, you'd imagine, as well, you know? Yeah. Once again, the, 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 that's you think the need. As more and more things become computerised, there's going to be yeah, more and more need for this stuff. Yep. Uh, you know, as I was reading, something like cars need somewhere 130 to 150 semiconductors for each car. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, they have that much componentry in the things. So it's... Um, yeah, it's it's interesting times for Fuji. Yeah, yeah. which is really it'd be sad if they do if they diminish because they are one of the more interesting camera companies by a long shot. Right. To me, I think I think I think they're I think they're, they're I think the products are really cool. I think yeah, they did the right the thing by making small cameras and small lenses to go with it rather than the Sony small cameras, massive bloody lenses. Yeah. So I, th- I think the, the entire structure of Fuji's camera setup is brilliant. Yeah, uh, the gear is great. So, and are they in the medical imaging space as well? Like, do well, they do? Doesn't seem. There's nothing mentioned. Okay. There's nothing mentioned. Yeah, I know. Rico and Pentax were, right? Well, Rico especially, but uh, no, and Olympus were, of course. But they they've sold different divisions now, of course, as we know. So there's Olympus uh, Medical and Olympus Cameras are no longer the same company. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's interesting. Will, will they go down the route of Olympus and sell off that division and? Uh, it's a, maybe it was only like a a, um, a financial institution or whatever that bought the Olympus Imaging, wasn't it? It wasn't a necessarily a oh, research wasn't it a Japanese investment company. They were just yeah, like a chop yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't augur well for the future future of Fuji by the sounds. Mm. Yeah. At some point, you know, if you, if if your other parts of your business are making you billions, yeah. and you can't keep up with demand. Uh, why would you affect resources and time into something that's yeah a token? Exactly, yeah. it's the eighty yeah. twenty rule. You know, yeah. find that thing that you know brings in eighty percent of your yeah. income and focus on that. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Cool. So, so anyway, that was all I found that was interesting this week. Cool. All right, well, I didn't dig out anything simply because Paul Sutton sent me about 300 uh, articles to look at. Uh, so I've got Shoot, a few... the best ones for us, Bruce. Give me, <laughs> give me, give me the... Is there anything about me? That's more importantly. Is there something about me? Include that one. Um, I don't know. Is there anything about you? I don't know. There should be. I mean, everyone should send something about me every week, <laughs> even if it's just insults. 
Well, we'll work our way through the list, and if we find something about you, then <laughs> you'll be lucky. <laughs> I'll be lucky. Uh, the, first, the first thing he sent me was a link to a Petapixel article, and it was primarily about a new underwater housing for a camera, but what piqued his interest was the fact that on this housing was a badge that said Sony A7 IV, which is a camera that everybody is expecting at some point, but which Sony hasn't even announced yet. Uh, so it's sort of begs the question, was it deliberate that this little icon appeared on this housing? You know, was it, you know, planted to deliberately inspire conversation and therefore get people to talk about it? I don't know. But anyway, I will put the link to that in the show notes. So only one thing worse than people talking about you. What's that? That's people not talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I Oscar Wilde. having a conversation today with Brad about, you know, I don't even want to say his name, the the former clown in chief, Ice. bringing a lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube because they <laughs> deplatformed him. And I was saying to Brad, like, the media's just fallen right into the trap, you know? Like, they're all talking about him. Like, stop freaking talking about Don't him. Don't give people air, if you, you know? Yeah, exactly. If we if you suck the air out of the room, then he's got nothing. Anyway, uh, moving on. Thank you for the hard work, guys. I must admit, I did listen to the Graham Watson interview. That's referring to the story that Carl Hemmings sent us last week about the guy who had a 40-year career as a photographer in the professional racing cycling world. Yeah. Uh, he was and is a master at finding the ultimate location and spot for grand tours. The saying was, if you saw him there, you were already too late to get your shot, especially <laughs> appropriate as this is the time of the Tour de France. Uh, Bruce, all the best with the lockdown and finding of a new job and source of income. I do listen to the older episodes when travelling and commuting. Paul, get a life. <laughs> we, we, we care. We care about your sanity, dude. Yes, yes, we do. I mean, I refuse to listen to them. Poor Bruce has to listen to, at least to edit the damn things. No, I've actually recommended it to him in the past. Don't bother editing. That way you'll save yourself the sanity. Yeah. Just put the sucker straight out, warts and all. And and, and, yeah. and the last sentence of, of that missive from Paul is still trying to find some value with the older episodes. Give up. Ah. That's a lost cause. No, that's not going to happen, dude. This this. Well, there might be there might be episodes where neither me or you are on. Well, that's, yeah, that's possible. Right. <laughs> well, I don't think there's anywhere I'm not on, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, he then sent me one. Micro Four Thirds has open-sourced the lens mount. Now, this isn't new news. Uh, Yongnuo came out with a Micro Four Thirds camera that runs wasn't Android. It, all, oh, it wasn't always open-sourced, but it was a collective. Or a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. Was it open-sourced? Because what, Panasonic, yeah, a whole bunch of companies use it. Right. So it's not like it's a... You can take your Panasonic lenses and put them on your Olympus cameras and stuff like that. So I'm just, I don't know if that was open sourced or just a you know, like the Leica and right. whoever made the S camera, Leica and Panasonic collective. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, Yongnuo has now brought out a new version of this Micro Four Thirds camera, and what they have done with this is put more of a hand grip to the right-hand side of it. It's much more pronounced than what was on the previous model, so presumably that's come from consumer feedback where people said it needs you know, a, a more bulky grip to hold on to it, so like you would have with a normal SLR or mirrorless body. So, yeah, 
Interesting stuff. Uh, next one, slightly photo-related. It's video-related. And this is a an article on LensRentals.com. And it's... My mate Roger Sakala. Yeah. Well, there's, there's another of his stories coming up further further down as well. You know, he started in the in the basement of his house. Right. Oh, Rog. And now he's got, like, I don't know, hundreds of employees and millions of dollars of inventory and stuff. Nice. Quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a, a blog post about the difference between global shutters and rolling shutters. So if you really want to... We should get him on. ...get into the weeds on that. Who, Roger? Yeah. Okay. I'll reach out, see if he wants to come on and have a chat with Where's us. Where's he based? California, I think, for maybe. Oh, okay. The, or Washington State or whatever. Right. Something like that. I can't remember. Cool. But, anyway. Uh, no, I'll reach out to him and see if he wants to come on and have a chat with us and he can tell us about sure. trends in stuff and things that he... He's, he's far more intelligent than both of us added together. Excellent. Uh, times, times three. So <laughs> he, he, I'm sure he'll be able to give us lots of inf- interesting stuff. So I'll reach out to him. Cool. The next one from Paul was uh, some ideas for how to capture good waterfall photographs. What I liked about this, Glenn, you'll love this. It was a it was a list. Yes. But it was a list of mistakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Seven yeah, yeah, critical good. mistakes to avoid when photographing waterfalls. Oh, no, that's no fun. Why? <laughs> if it was seven critical mistakes to make, fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go and stuff up your photos this way. Yeah, okay. Because well, you never you sometimes the mistakes are when you get the good stuff, Bruce. You can look at it that way. One of my best photos I ever took, yeah. ever took in my life, was of a crescent moon and Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, they were all like a little alignment. And I came out in the front yard and I rested my camera on top of my car because I was too lazy to get a tripod. <laughs> I took a photo of it. Yeah. And I forgot I, I forgot I had it on continuous shooting for the previous thing. So I've got a click to tell you the one snapshot. Then I pick the camera up to move, and it's going to click again. And it could reasonably slow shutter speed. <laughs> and then I've looked at the photo, and the t- and Jupiter and, and Saturn, uh, the way I've moved my hands has gone into a little circles. Yeah. And then there's a line coming down from Jupiter to where the moon is, and it's gone sort of zigzaggy back and forth. It looks like a smiling face. <laughs> nice. It's probably the best photo I've ever taken, Bruce. And you could so never an have done it, was- it if you were trying to. Exactly. The mistake sometimes <laughs> can be the best photos. That's what I'll, I might have that one on my tombstone. Yeah, nice. You remind me, actually, of uh, when would it have been? Around about 91 or 92, a mate a mate and I went, because I was in Tassie at the time, we went to Adelaide for the Grand Prix when the F1 Grand Prix was being run in Adelaide. And we were walking along and I heard this car coming behind us. We weren't at the race. This was just, we were out on the streets of Adelaide. And I've heard this, you know, what sounded like a gorgeous V8 coming up behind me. I've turned around and seen, it was probably a replica, but what looked like an AC Cobra coming towards me. And I've just lifted my camera up and I've gone to take a photo of it as it's come screaming past me. And I've pressed the shutter and realized that I had been shooting on a really slow shutter speed on whatever it was I'd previously been shooting. I had it set for like a, a tenth of a second or something. And because I've panned with it as it's gone past. Yeah. And the image that came out 
was exposed beautifully, but it's just all motion blur. Yeah. But there's just enough that you can appreciate that this was a, an AC Cobra going past. <laughs> and, like, again, <laughs> one of those happy accidents, you know, is just completely not what I was trying to get, but I really love that image even to this day. So, but one of the things I love to do the most is to set up like a one second shutter speed. Yeah, right. And just jiggle the camera around. Yep. Either either really really smooth linear or vertical lines. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or, or really rapid because you know, in in the photos I do, the type of photos I do, I know what every photo looks like before I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boring batshit. <laughs> yeah. But when you when you do stuff like that, you have no idea what's going to come out. Yep. And that's really really interesting. Yeah, so I love doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know? So then mistakes. Yep. Yeah. As far as getting a correct photo, but yep. sometimes far more interesting photos that come out of it. Yep. You can yeah. have good fun got- with an office chair because you can spin the office spin. chair around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, 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 I'm visualizing. I'm not not. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not like like, like you know, you set it for a one second exposure, and then set your set your chair spinning around, and then start the exposure, and you and you get you know three hundred and sixty. Are you on the chair, or is the kitchen? Yeah, the camera no, the you, chair? you can be on the chair holding the camera. What if you, what if you span the chair the self time, and you ran around the same speed as the chair? Well, that'd be random. Yeah, look at that. What a do deal. Yeah. Yeah. You probably want like a high bar stool type thing. So you get like you have to bend your face down so far because if you're running around <laughs> circles that speed with your head bent down, it could end in trouble. The only concern with putting the camera on the chair and then spinning the chair is: is the camera going to stay still? Is Velcro. it Velcro? Oh, okay, fair enough. Gaffer tape. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put another chair on top of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Something. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then the next one from Paul was a video on YouTube, and I think we may have covered this a few years ago. It's a short film doco thing about the photo tours that are run through Antelope Canyon. And he said, <laughs> Antelope Canyon, if any more proof of Glynn's comments are needed, so unique just like everyone else's. <laughs> Do all the other ones. Hey? Well, there's a thing here down here in Melbourne called Artvo. Okay. Right? And Artvo is, an, is, a, is a commercial art installation where all the walls are painted in different... And, uh, but they're done, they're done so they're on a certain angle and a certain height. You have a perspective where everything comes to, like, 3D. Right? Okay. And, and you get, like, your kids to stand in a certain spot. It looks like there's a, this giant tiger about to eat them. And if you stand on this one spot and take the photo, you get the look. If you stand anywhere else, you don't. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's Antelope Can- Canyon. You just have those little spots on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Stand here for this shot. Stand here for this shot. Yeah. Stand here. You know, that's the kind of uh, cookie cutter sort of approach. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Uh, next one, as an IT guy, it amuses me that what they're doing, and he's referring to NASA with their Hubble telescope, is turning the Hubble off and back on again, albeit using a backup piece of equipment. Long live Hubble. So the Hubble telescope, for those who don't know, suffered a little bit of a malfunction. I think it was June the 13th. They had to shut it down, uh, and they've been working for weeks trying to work out what went wrong and why it stopped responding, and they've come up with the awesome and unique solution of let's turn it off and turn it back on again. So, <laughs> link for that will be in the well, show. Speaking, speaking of similar thing, um, 
just this today I saw a thing um, that NASA's reconnected with what was the what was the um, oh the satellite the rocket they sent the Voyager? satellite was sent out in the seventies the Voyager yeah, they've reconnected with Voyager one or two two I think it was right. Uh, so they've re-established re, re a connection, a signal with it. Yeah, this thing's wow. putting out like a, a, a thousandth of a watt of power yeah. from outside the solar system. Or yeah, something. I was going to say it's thing. out beyond Pluto now. Yeah, and they're starting to pick up. They're starting to pick up its, um, its signal again, which is quite quite incredible. They're, they're still building like they used to. You know, <laughs> I wonder if that is simply a case of we've now got better receiving equipment than what we had when they first launched it and so no they, they, they had signals for like two years ago or something right okay and then they, then, then it stopped working they figured it'd stop so i mean it's not that massively different i would have thought the last two years yeah which is somehow somehow it started kicking up again and wow getting getting things so it's quite uh, quite remarkable i know? remember hearing the speed that that thing was traveling at it was just phenomenal it was like yeah you know thousand kilometers a second or something and it's been doing that for what 50 years and say just past pluto yes and was it from pluto to the edge of our solar system is uh i think it's uh it's about 50 or 100 times further from pluto to the edge than it is from earth to pluto wow it's some some ludicrous distance again it is it is just crazy yeah yeah, I remember, what book was it in? I think it was Stephen Hawking's uh, A Brief History of Time, where he said if the Earth was the size of a green pea, like a garden pea, yeah, then the distance from the Earth to Pluto is about 400 metres. <laughs> yeah. If the Earth was Crazy. the size of a galaxy. And then you think, well, then from Pluto <laughs> to the outside solar system is like 4,000 4, metres or something. <laughs> Crazy. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, next and that's one tiny infinitesimal little solar system. Exactly. In one tiny infinitesimal little, little galaxy. galaxy. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, Zach Sutton, who is no relation, has just talked me out of medium format. I guess I'm sticking with my trusty Micro Four Thirds Panasonic for now. Uh, and this was the other lens rental story, and he's done a review of the GFX, I think it is, 100S. Yeah, 100S. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a you know, medium format Fujifilm body and um, what's that what, what's what's that said against it do you know have you not massively researched this link no i have not did there you think go. i would no <laughs> <laughs> paul had, you should know I, by now i had a brief flick through the story before we explain started. why it's turned you off <laughs> i was i was actually padding while i was waiting for the web page to load <laughs> look i've used the I, i've used the 50 yeah and i was blown away right Absolutely knocked on my bum, hair standing up on end, gobsmacked, speechless, blown away. And that is a 50 megapixel? Yeah. And the detail on that thing was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. yeah, So, I mean, I would would love to shoot one of those, you know. Sure, it's got its issues. It's slow and it's big and it's heavy relative to what else is available in the market. But not, but not not relative to other medium sure. format, just relative to having to carry stuff around. But it's it's yeah. uh, it is epically the the quality is woof woof. I say woof. Yeah, right. 
So Paul, <laughs> right back next week tells why it put you off. We'll do part two then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and the last one that I'm going to cover from Paul, this man is deaf and blind. I am really impressed as the photos are good. He also prints them, so they're also tactile so that other blind people can experience them as well. I have friends in the deaf community, and being blind really makes communication super hard with an extra layer of interpreting skill and experience required. I say this as I'm struggling to learn Auslan. Too long didn't read. He gets someone to help him and reviews his work technically. Glenn, take care in yet another lockdown. Please stay safe. The blind deaf photographer opening exhibitions around the world with photos you can see with your hands. Interesting. Well, the the thing is, I mean, if you're blind from birth, how do you visualise... Anything. uh, What what a mountain is, what a cloud is, what a... Stuff you can touch, maybe like a maybe a maybe a tree. You can kind of at least a small one. You kind of grasp. I don't know, but I don't know you can grasp big stuff or intangible stuff. Yeah. Once again, your senses are different. Maybe you can grasp light because you'd be able to feel warmth. Yep. On one side and not want them to be able to tell direction and stuff. So you'd be able to maybe imply from what light is. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. His latest exhibition is Dancing with Ansel, features photos of Yosemite National Park <laughs> nice. and Monument Valley. Nice. And Ansel, he's been, he's been down Ansel over, of course. He stood there, pressed the button. So he doesn't have to know what he's doing, just to stand on the spot. If you feel around, oh, there's the spot, right. So yeah, maybe they're using special, I don't know, printing techniques to, uh, to feel with your hands to grasp concepts of shapes. But how you would relate that to what's actually in front of you in real life is, is uh, incredible. Yeah. And he's based in Mackay in Queensland. Right. It's the worst parts of the world to live. Oh, it's lovely, yeah. I've been out to Mackay yeah. quite a lot of times. Lovely. Yeah, it's a nice lovely, spot. Lovely, lovely, lovely. All righty. Well, All right. that's another one done. For uh, uh, butter or worse? <laughs> worse? <laughs> butter or worse? There's <laughs> butter and sausages. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's in our next episode of Cooker's Zinc. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So send those recipes in, people. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, take care. You too, mate. Look after yourself. Yep. I'll see you on the other side. You will. Oh, so you'll probably still be in lockdown, but we'll have That's to right. Out. Yes. <laughs> all right, mate. See you, Talk mate. to you next week. Bye, all. Take care. You've been listening to Shutters Inc. For questions, comments, and feedback, email theboys at shuttersincpodcast.com. 